Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coffee at the Cross. I'm Mike Newman. What is Coffee at the Cross? Well, it's a podcast where we cover a multitude of things, one of which is what we call a Bible journey. It's 20 minutes where we read the Word of God directly from the Word. Uh, the version that we read from is the Passion Translation. I love this translation. It's love and fire-filled. You know, you just, every word you can feel God's love and passion. Uh, I love it. If you don't have one, I encourage you to go out and get one. Uh, that way you can follow along with us word for word. But Coffee at the Cross in general, the Bible journey, is reading 20 minutes from his word and pulling one thing, just one thing, that we can apply to our day. We're not going to give you seven gallons of water to put in a five-gallon bucket. We're going to keep it simple. We'll go back and cover some of the things we discussed, but we're going to take one thing away to apply to our day. We've covered, covered the introduction of Luke in episode one, and episode two was Luke chapter one. So episode three, we're going to do Luke chapter two, the birth of Jesus. And then afterwards, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit in for some conversation, some revelation, a stirring up of the Holy Spirit. I am really excited for what God has planned for you when we apply the blessings that are given to us today. So let's dive right in to Luke chapter 2. During those days, the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. Quirinius was the governor of Syria at the time. Everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiancée Mary left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea, to the village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. Hallelujah. When they arrived at Bethlehem, Mary went into labor and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. Now, this is the, trans the Passion Translation where it says feeding trough. In other translations, my second favorite translation, the New King James, that's where you hear the word manger. Verse 8. That night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with, blazing, with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will, you will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, 
the very armies of heaven, and they all praise God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go! Let's hurry and find the word, this word that has been born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and offered pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all that they had heard and seen themselves, just like the angel had said. On the day of the baby's circumcision ceremony, eight days after his birth, his parents gave him the name Jesus, the name prophesied by the angel before he was born. After Mary's days of purification had ended, it was a time for her to come to the temple with a sacrifice. According to the law of Moses, after the birth of a son, so Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to be dedicated before the Lord. For it is required in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male should be set apart, one for God, and to offer a prescribed sacrifice, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. As they came to the temple to fulfill this requirement, an elderly man was there waiting, a resident of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure, and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel, for the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Messiah, the anointed one for God, the anointed one of God. For this reason, the Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at the very moment Jesus' parents entered to fulfill the requirement of sacrifice. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied the saying, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant, and I can now die content. For your promise to me has been fulfilled. With my own eyes I have seen your word, the Savior you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people of Israel and the revelation light for all people everywhere. Mary and Joseph stood there awestruck over what, had, over what was being said about their baby. Simeon then blessed them and prophesied over Mary, saying, A painful sword will one day pierce your inner being, for your child will be rejected by many in Israel. And the destiny of your child is this. He will be laid down as a miracle sign for the downfall and resurrection of many in Israel. For many will oppose this sign, but it will expose to all the innermost thoughts of their hearts before God. A prophetess named Anna was also in the temple court that day. She was from the Jewish tribe of Asher and the daughter of Phanuel. Anna was an aged widow who had been married only seven years before her husband passed away. After he died, she chose to worship God in the temple continually 
For the past 84 years, she had been serving God with night and day prayer and fasting. While Simeon was prophesying over Mary and Joseph and the baby, Anna walked up to them and burst forth with great chorus of praise to God for the child. And from that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had come. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything that was required of them by the law of Moses, they took Jesus and returned to their home in Nazareth in Galilee. The the child grew more powerful in grace, for he was being filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. At age 12, Jesus visits the temple. Every year, Jesus' parents went to worship at Jerusalem during the the Passover festival. When Jesus turned 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, as was their custom. A full day after they began their journey home, Jesus and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. They had assumed he was with somewhere, he, that he was somewhere in the, in the entourage, but he was nowhere to be found. After a frantic search among relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After being separated from him for three days, they finally found him in the temple, sitting among the Jewish teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard Jesus speak were astounded at his intelligent understanding of all that was being discussed and at his wise answers to their questions. His parents were shocked to find him there, and Mary scolded him, saying, Son, your father and I have searched for you everywhere. We have been worried sick over not finding you. Why would you do this to us? And Jesus said to them, Why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house, consumed with him? Mary and Joseph didn't fully understand what Jesus meant. Jesus went with them back home to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured Jesus, his words, deeply in her heart. As Jesus grew, so did his wisdom and maturity. The favor of men increased upon his life, and he was loved greatly by God. And that is Luke chapter 2. The things I want to cover today are the following. In verse 33 and 35, the verses said, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Simeon blessed them. He said to his mother Mary, Behold, the child is destined for the fallen rising of many in Israel, for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The scripture where it says, Joseph and his mother marveled. We can imagine their combination of both joy and surprise to see how God has touched the hearts of others with an understanding of their son. No matter how well you know Jesus, know this. There is something special about seeing someone else come to know him. For those of us who have been saved, we remember that special moment, that moment that that we gave our heart to the Lord, that we confessed our sins, we accepted God as who he was, that we believed that he died on the cross for us. 
that moment where we feel everything, all the sins of the world and sins of our lives removed and, and removed from our shoulders, ripped off of us. The shackles, the chains, the burdens, just gone. What an awesome moment. We remember that day. How can we forget? The overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you there is something that beats that moment for me, and that's to see someone else confess and give their heart to the Lord. There is nothing better than to, to help someone else find him. There is nothing better, I promise you. And you see it here with Joseph and his mother, Mary, or Joseph and Jesus's mother, Mary. They marveled at all the responses. That Anna comes in just after that. Remember, Anna the prophetess, we don't know uh, what capacity Anna was a prophetess, but perhaps it is in this way that she brought forth the specific word about Jesus. But you see, Anna, this is the fulfillment of what God does. We talked about this in our last podcast about the power of prayer. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Here was a woman that had lost and lost greatly. It would be easy for her to turn her back against God. She was married and he died after just seven years. And she had spent 84 years continuously praying and fasting in the temple. I can't imagine a lot of people in this world holding on for 84 years after loss to think, you know what, I'm going to go into this temple, I'm going to give the, the Lord my heart, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast, and, and I'm going to wait for something special to happen. Most of us, the world today, after a day or two, we're done. We give up. We look at some people who do it for weeks and we're like, man, that's something special. This woman did it for 84 years. And what happened? What was her reward? God brought Mary and Joseph to her at the temple so that she may witness in person the baby Jesus. Anna's close walk with God was shown by her love for Jesus and her desire to tell others about Jesus. She was a remarkable woman. As a widow, she knew pain and loss but had not become bitter. And as an elderly, as an elderly woman, she never lost hope. Why? Because she was a woman of worship and a woman of prayer, unrelenting, never giving up. And she experienced something that we all wish we could experience— being able to, to, to see Jesus, to hold Jesus, to be in his physical presence, not just the spiritual. That's another example of why we can never give up. The rewards, when God sees how we push on and push through and hold on that extra day, that day, that extra mile we talk about. The longest mile is the one after everyone else gives up. It is so easy to join them and quit also. But to press on when everyone else turns away, that's hard. That's the lonely road. And she traveled it. 
84 years she refused to give up and prayed and, and continued fasting and was rewarded with a mighty gift, being blessed by the presence of the baby Jesus. The last thing I want to leave you with is the closing of chapter, chapter 2. In the New King James Bible, it says this specifically, that Jesus increased in favor with God and men. You know, God loves us all. There's no denying that. We know that. The Bible tells us that. doesn't matter what you do, no greatest sin. If he created you, he loves you equally, no matter the sin, no matter who you want to put in that little box saying, nope, not that guy. Look at all the sins he committed. Look at all the atrocities. He still loved them. He still loved them because it was his child. We have children, you know, for those of us who are parents, we have kids sometimes that do things. Some of us have had to witness our children do unspeakable things, things that just break our hearts, but we never stop loving them because they're our children. No matter how bad, no matter how far down the road they get and the mistakes they make. You see, this scripture here tells us that no matter what we do, when we hold on, when we press on, when we do things and we pray and we fast and we don't stop, we never stop, we never relent, we can actually increase in favor with God. He loves us all the same, but what we can do by pushing on by never giving up, by praying and fasting, so that when God calls upon us to go somewhere, to do something, to reach another, as we see here, when Jesus enters into somebody's life, it changes people. Joseph and Mary witnessed this, and they marveled at it. And we get to see that too in the Holy Spirit in our lives, that when we're around people, and we have Jesus in our lives, and they see that, and they reach out, and they grab onto him, and they finally let go of the world and hold on to him and embrace him and give their heart to the Lord, we increase in favor with God. And I don't know about you, but if you tell me there's a way that I can be favored more by God, that there's something I can do to please him more, that he would be more pleased with me, I'm doing it. I'm going down that road, and I encourage you guys also. So that concludes today, Coffee at the Cross. What a wonderful journey, and I hope that you guys join us for our next podcast as we jump into Luke chapter 3, an awesome journey. So let's close out in prayer as we go out and we reach out to never give up to press on. I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to think of someone in your life in your circle right now that's going through something. Something tough. Maybe it's you that's going through something. But I want you to try to think of it, and you can, but re I want you to think about someone else in your surroundings, your family, friends, co-workers, whatever it is. Somebody is going through something right now. In this world, right now, the way it is, I promise you, somebody's going through something. They have a burden. 
and it is too great to bear. Let's pray for them. Let's fast for them. And what do I mean by fasting? I mean, let's just let go of the things that we that we do to feed ourselves as far as things that we entertain ourselves, movies that we watch, TV that we watch, or things that we do that bring us personal, uh, just, you know, pleasure, whether it's fishing, whatever. Just let's fast. Let's not worry about pleasing ourselves for these next few moments over the next day. Today, let us fast on on ourselves and, and pour into somebody else. Let's reach out for someone else. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for revelation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing for us. Lord, there's someone, that, the, the person that's on our minds, Lord, we give them to you for you to restore them, to refill them, to enlighten them, to guide them, to, to bring them to a place of peace. Lord, we can't think of any better place right now than in your embrace, the cup of your hands. They don't know it yet, Lord, but they want to come home. They just don't know how good it is and how good you are. So, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for revelation for them. We ask for the Holy Spirit and the angels to come down to restore them, to guide them, to enlighten them, to awaken them so they can open their eyes and see you waiting before them, arms wide open ready to welcome them home to the Holy Spirit and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining Coffee at the Cross. I hope to see you guys at our next episode as we begin Luke chapter 3. Have a blessed day, everybody.